Good evening. Thank you for being here tonight. Isn't that worship great as we just gather in God's house? Nothing better than singing how great is our God. You know, as Jesus was here on earth, he went around uh, preaching and teaching. But he used to have these amazing encounters with people, changed their lives. He had a fisherman that were destined to be fishermen their whole life. He comes alongside them and says, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Another story that somebody, an encounter with Jesus, they're about to, to stone a woman because she's been caught the sin of adultery. And they're about to stone her to death and Jesus has this encounter, not just with the woman who was ready to be stoned to death, but with the crowd around them. And he challenges them and says, you know, listen, he was without sin, let him cast the first stone. And countless times Jesus has these encounters with people and it changes their lives and you know when we read the bible and read of these encounters it said this is not a history book that we are reading it is not a history lesson of just something that happened in the past jesus christ still encounters people today and he still changes people's lives it's why we're in church tonight it's why we put church on tonight we really didn't believe that he said, listen, we might as well all go home. He says, it's bright outside, the sun's been out, we could hit more to get an ice cream because we would enjoy the evening more. But the truth of it is this, is that Jesus Christ still changes people's lives by having an encounter with them. Yeah. And I don't know how you have come into church tonight, whether this is your first time, uh, whether this is your hundredth time. He says, God wants to do something in yeah. your life tonight. We don't just want to do religion. We don't just want to say we're here for church. We want to encounter God as we have in the worship, as we've worshipped God. And in the story that we will look at tonight, um, in continuing on with our series in Matthew, we see the encounter that Jesus has that changes the direction of a person's life. The direction of your life can be changed tonight. You may have come in here tonight and you are completely hopeless about life. You just feel like, I want to give up. And nothing wrong with that. That's the way people are sometimes. They just want to give up. The weight of the world is upon their shoulders. They feel as though everything is against them. They feel as though there is no hope. You are in despair. He says everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong. He says, the idea that bad things come in threes has made you think, actually, that's not true because I'm on my 10th or 11th thing at the moment. He says, but you know what? God can do a work in your life tonight. In this time that we are in church, believing in the power of the message of Jesus Christ, he can change your life tonight, change the direction of your life, and give you hope tonight. He can set you free tonight. He can give you all the things that you have desired tonight. You may think, oh, if I could just get this in my life, that's all I need. He says, Jesus has other things for you. He says he wants to give you forgiveness and he wants to take the guilt away and he wants to take the shame away. Uh, and he wants you to know that he loves you tonight. He wants you to know that he loves you so much. He went to the cross for you. 
You see, we often think that if we get some things in life that we desire, that will make us happy. He's not interested in making us happy, but he's interested in, in us experiencing freedom and hope and purpose. And all the stuff that he has for us is what we really need. And it's what the world needs today. That's why it's so important for us to be here tonight and just listening and just being sensitive to what God has to say to us this evening because our life could be changed by the end of this evening. So we go out the door tonight, he says, as people are available for prayer, as Rebecca has said, he says, we're believing that it's going to be life-changing tonight for somebody because it's a story that we're going to look up because throughout the Bible there are many instances of God calling a man or a woman to surrender their lives and follow him for God has a specific purpose and function for them one of the wonderful things I discovered when I became a Christian uh, uh, when I gave my heart to the Lord whatever language that you want to use he says at 21 and 21 wasn't last week now I have to think of that it's not last week but remember thinking that it wasn't it was enough to be saved it was enough to know that I was forgiven that the guilt had been lifted and the shame had been taken away but on top of that almost I don't want to use the word bonus but on top of that that God had a purpose for my life as he has a purpose for your life as well a calling for you to do something as well and each of our callings is different each of our purposes that God has for us is different and you know we gather tonight because you know God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of our lives and we're continuing on with our series in Matthew just with four verses in Matthew chapter 9 and it says this it says Jesus went on from there he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth follow me he told him and Matthew got up and followed him while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples when the Pharisees saw this they asked his disciples why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners on hearing this Jesus said it is not the healthy you need a doctor but the sick but go and learn what this means I desire mercy not sacrifice for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners we see here in this story it says as Jesus went on from the place where he'd been preaching he comes across a man called Matthew and Matthew has probably the most unpopular profession of the day he says and it probably still would be unpopular today he says he's a tax collector he collects the taxes of people and nobody likes paying the taxes do they let's be honest here if we work and stuff we just find uh, my apologies if anybody uh, works for the inland revenue in here but, <laughs> but the truth of it is this he said we're not allowed to pay our taxes but here back then it, it, it was the same thing but, but it was worse because Matthew was collecting taxes for the Romans he was collecting taxes for the Romans but he was obviously uh, the word creaming a bit off the top is the way you would probably say he was keeping more of it for himself so the people absolutely hated him it was as bad that he was actually you know that, that he was collecting the taxes for the Romans but he was actually robbing the people as well he was actually robbing his own people as well but he says that Jesus comes along one day 
Uh, and Jesus always looks at those uh, we would not expect to be the ones that are called. He always picks the people that we look at and say, he said, no, it, it won't be him, it won't be them. But, but he has a different agenda than we do. You know, and we know even from the Old Testament when you know, King David and the, he was lined up all his brothers and even left David out in the field because he would never be considered to be the next king. And they're like, well, we need another. There's another one out in the field. Because God always calls you unexpected. He always calls those people we would not expect to be the ones to be called. And here in this story, it's the same thing. You know, Jesus is looking for disciples, could have headed down to the local Jerusalem Bible College, got all those students that maybe had got their A stars, you know, those who had excelled and stuff, and they would be the pick of the bunch. They would be the ones that, that we would look at and say, that's the one Jesus needs to pick, but he doesn't pick them. Picks fishermen, and suddenly a tax collector, you know, who didn't have a hated people you know there and and, and Matthew in a sense he, he, he you know you could see that he, he actually can't believe is 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 you know what's happened you know because he's probably heard about uh, Jesus and the preaching and the teaching that he's done and so he's gone back to his profession there and it's no wonder he immediately gets up and and follows him because you know this is is completely uh, surprised completely sort of out of the ordinary that Jesus would call this man but he's good news for each and every one of us because if he calls him he calls each and every one of us if he's interested in Matthew he's interested in each and every one of us he says there isn't a standard that we have to get to or target that we must meet to be accepted by Jesus he says because here he's already picked the worst of the worst he's picked the one that the people hate he's picked the one that's been stealing the money off everybody and he calls Matthew uh, the tax collector and the interesting thing as we know here with calling Matthew is that Matthew is the author of the gospel that we've been looking at from last September you know this is the gospel of Matthew and Matthew is excellent and one good thing about tax collectors and that they keep good records and Matthew's calling here and his calling as we look through this story is simply to write this gospel this story of Jesus Christ and what he has done for each and every one of us beginning from his birth going to his death and his resurrection and you know and if, if Jesus calls him then obviously there is something within us that, 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 that can be called that we don't have to make ourselves good enough in a sense or don't have to make ourselves talented enough in a sense or, or, or make ourselves you know the, tick off our abilities for God uh, wants to do I remember when I first went to Bible college in 1994 and I've shared this before and what they did they got all the students together in the what they called the common room and there was about 60 of us and what they wanted to find out is sort of you know those get to know your sessions you know the ones that just, you know let's find out about each other and stuff and, and all that I hate them can't stand them because you know they were listing off finding out who were the most talented people in the room you know if you could play 12 12 musical instruments put your hand up if you could play 11 if you could play 10 you know if you'd preached you know here there and everywhere and people were asking all these questions to find out really who was the the talented gifted people in the room and I'd only been saved 18 months at that point and stuff I hadn't been saved very long before I went to, to Bible college sitting there thinking to myself it says one I can't play any musical instruments unless you count the recorder when I was six years old so I thought I can't play any musical instruments I had preached in my life three times 
I was an international preacher, let me explain. I'd preached once in Portugal and once in Scotland and once in England in 18 months and stuff. So I classed myself as an international preacher. Other people classed me as preaching once somewhere but nobody wanted you back. That's what other people classed me as and stuff. And I remember thinking to myself of this idea of this, this having this gifting, this ability and stuff. And I remember thinking to myself after that first night there and thought to myself, I'm not as talented as all these other people or gifted as all these other people that were there. But I remember thinking to myself, I just wanted to have something. And I realised God shared with me on that night and over the, the, the beginning of college, you just had to be available. Did you want God to do something in your life? You just had to be available. God does the rest. He does the rest. And I remember as I read this story uh, around that time and stuff, just saw Matthew's response when Jesus called him. You know, he just simply immediately got up and followed him. And I realised when we come to calling, it's so true. Calling is not only a matter of being and doing what we are, but also of becoming what we are not yet, but are called by God to be. Because God has a plan and a purpose for our life. We are his workmanship, as it says in Ephesians 2 verse 10. He's project in a sense, but in a sense, not called in a sense to bring everything that we have with us in a sense, but also becoming the people that God wants us to be. And this is what happens here with Matthew. And I've explained a bit from him, just to give you that context, a task, tax collector and outcast from society it disqualified him as a judge he was excommunicated from the synagogue and he was a disgrace to the community and family and yet this is the man that Jesus calls to write in a sense the first gospel that we have in the new testament he left that tax collecting table but he took one thing with him he took his pen because that's what he was going to use to write the gospel as he traveled around with Jesus he recorded the stories for the benefit of everybody that was going to read that read the word of God so that would change people's lives by the power of God because that's what the word of God does he answered he accepted and he arose he said the truth of it is this and this should encourage us tonight Jesus sees people not for what they are but who they can become because that's a reality of the cross he does not leave us as we are that doesn't mean he accepts everything that we are but he says he doesn't see people not for what they are but what for what they can become in him and he does that here with Matthew on that story because we see there were three callings that he gives him the first one is this he's called from a despised tax collector to a beloved apostle one that is going to go and share the good news that's what Jesus Christ does in a person's life he takes them from one place to another place he says we know Peter even writes it when he says we're called from darkness to light he says and you can see that the callings that we have here and and Matthew's one he says he's called from a despised tax collector to a beloved apostle one of the disciples one of the people that, that Jesus entrusts to go and share the message, uh, his message with the world. And so we see that first calling there. And the second calling we see is this is called from a social outcast to a spiritual family. He says, This is so important. He said, Nobody like Matthew, he's a tax collector. We can see what had happened to him. He says, You know, his religion didn't want him, his family didn't want him, his community didn't want him. 
He says, because he was the despised tax collector working for the Romans, and yet one person wanted him. And it was the one person that mattered, it was Jesus Christ. And you see, that for you could change your life tonight. You might not think, I'm not loved by anybody. Nobody likes me. I'm not accepted by anybody. Listen, if he accepts you, that's really all that matters. He's the one that can change your life in an instant because he's done that here with Matthew. Changing from a social outcast to a spiritual family. And spiritual family is so important. And he says, we often say here in this church, come and take a seat with the rest of us. He says, because we want to be just this group of people. And we often don't always have it together. Often it can be a little bit messy with us all in. Often it can be a little bit imperfect and, you know, we rub each other up the wrong way and we get on each other's nerves. Yeah? No? Okay. You're telling lies and you're in church. He says, that's what happens. But listen, this is the body of Christ. He says he pulls all these people in together. And you know what the reality is? Some of us were outcasts. Some of us were people that did not belong anywhere. We, we did not belong anywhere, yet we've ended up in this spiritual family. And you know, like there is always with families. There's a few nut jobs and a few people that sort of <laughs> are there. But listen, we are the spiritual family together. Each and every one of us joined together. Different backgrounds, different nationalities. Some of you are looking over each other saying, oh, that's a nut job over there. Like, so. We're not naming names tonight, okay? But it's the point of it is this, is it's been called from this social outcast to this spiritual family is what Jesus Christ does. And he does it there with Matthew, calls him to this group of disciples and apostles that, that is going there with the mission of him. This despised tax collector, but this most important probably is the third one he's called from greed to grace. Because Matthew thinks all his life is about is making money. He thinks that's the purpose of life. Purpose of life is just to make money. You'll talk to people and they'll tell you the purpose of life is just to be happy, just to be famous, just so people would know me and stuff. People will give you all sorts of reasons for the purpose of life. The purpose of our lives is to bring worship and honour and glory to Jesus Christ. He says he has so changed our lives, that's what we're called to do. He says if other stuff happens on the way, well that's okay. But the reality is we could be here tonight and you could be looking for the wrong thing. You could be like Matthew thinking, all my life needs to be about is just money. And then getting more money. And I don't care how it comes, I just want more money. And he meets Jesus. And Jesus changes his whole outlook. He changes his whole, uh, the way, perception of life. Because he suddenly realises it's not about money. That this is about something more. I've suddenly discovered a man who said to me, come and follow me. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but we would know it to be understood that Matthew would have heard about Jesus. He would have heard about him healing and preaching and teaching and stuff, you know. So he would have heard about all of that already. And as Jesus travels through, you know, Matthew might be thinking that, you know, he's Jesus coming down the road. He's not going to stop with me. I'm a despised tax collector. I'm, I'm a sinner in a sense. I'm somebody that nobody would bother with. Yet Jesus bothered with him. Jesus was the one that stopped there and said to him, follow me. Come and follow me. And he stops tonight at the door of your heart and says, listen, stop living the way that you're living. I've something else for you. 
of something better for you, knocking on the door of your heart while you're in this church tonight, saying to you, listen, it's not about the greed or the popularity or the fame and stuff, it's about my grace in your life. And he's knocking on your door saying that to you this evening. And so as we come, we see the invitation then. Because the first thing Matthew does is he can't believe it. But Matthew responds to the invitation of Jesus by simply gathering all his friends and inviting Jesus for dinner. Now the problem is with all of Matthew's friends is all those undesirable people. All those people that your mother always told you, stay away from them. Remember my mum saying to me, stay away from that, that's nothing but trouble. You know the sort of people, yeah? They said, nobody in here, but stay away from those sort of people because they're trouble and stuff. But the problem is Matthew's friends are just all trouble. They're, they're all the, the sinners and the outcasts of society. They're all the people uh, that are there. And, and, and what Jesus, what, he gets invited for a meal. And, and you know, and we have to understand when you get invited for a meal. Now, the reality is, if we get invited for a meal, I love people inviting me for a meal. Hint, hint. Okay. <laughs> I love people. If when somebody says to you, "We would like to invite you up for dinner," he says, "I'm, I'm there. Doesn't matter what else is on. I'm there. Doesn't matter something on in the diary. Cancel it. It's even better when somebody says, "I want to take you out for dinner." I don't want to pay for it. Cancel everything, okay? <laughs> because that's what happens. Because there is something about sitting at the table and enjoying a meal with somebody that shows how valued somebody is. I mean, let's face it. Nobody eats with people that you don't like. I was going to say unless you're married, but I suppose, you no, know I mean, I don't know that, you know. Nobody eats with people they don't like. You don't make an effort to go and eat a meal with somebody if you don't like them. You know, I don't like you, come and have a meal with me. No, I'm going to waste some money, let's be honest and stuff. In this culture, the table fellowship was extremely important. He says he showed who you valued. He showed who was important to you. And Jesus goes and he spends this time, this meal with them. You know, when it comes to going out for a meal, there's an effort made, isn't it? You, you know, you, you dress up, you know, and, and you're punctual, you're on time and stuff. Because you're going out for a meal, it's very, very special and stuff. And you see here, Jesus spends some time with them. He enjoys his meal and he shares the reason why he's come. But it brings us to the next issue because... This causes conflict with the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, as we know, were the religious teachers of the day. And nothing winds up religious people more than this, than people spending time with the undesirables and the sinners and the people who have failed at life and those people that, you know, sort of nobody else should bother with except for Jesus. And so that's what annoys the Pharisees because they come and simply say this. And they, you know, they're like, well, hold on a second. He asked him a, a question. You know, they ask a question, sorry, he says, why are you eating here with these people? He says, why, 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 why are you spending your time with them? These are the outcasts of society. Not only have you called Matthew and he's following you, you're now spending time in their house with the sinners and, and the undesirables. And you see, the Pharisees were the people that sort of, they wanted people's lives to be changed but they didn't want to be the ones that sort of be infiltrated by them. They felt they were, you know, the unclean and that they needed that distance and stuff because they were the religious people. They were the people that stayed away from these sort of people. 
And Jesus comes and he's the one that actually spends time with these people. Why? Because simply these people matter to him. That's why, you know, that's why he loves people. That's why his, his whole mission, uh, his whole death, his resurrection, his sending out of the disciples into the world, the planting of the church, is simply all about people. It's just about people. And that continues on for us this evening. Uh, and, you know, so they asked this question. You see, there is a difference between separation and isolation. You know, the, we understand it this way. We are not of this world but we are sent into this world. Uh, we simply are. That, that's what we're to do. You know, Matthew has already spoken in Matthew chapter 5 earlier when he said about being the salt uh, of the earth and the light of the world. But, you know, salt makes no difference if it's just kept in a salt pot. So it has to mingle with the meat. You know, you know people and, you know, they pour, you know, they say pour the salt on the dinner and stuff. Well, you know, you would have had a heart and stuff, you know, that's the way. Because why? Because the salt changes the flavour. It changes. That's what salt does. And that's why Matthew uses the example early on. He does the other thing as well. He says, to be a light into the world, we must shine in the darkness. You know, light makes no difference. If we went pitch black in here, light would make all the difference. Uh, and this is the idea of Jesus coming and says, how are you going to make a difference with people if you're not spending time with them and in a sense mingling with them and stuff? It's not, uh, it's not uh, isolation that we're cut off over here as the church. It's reaching people. How are people going to hear? You know, I mean, if we set, on, if we set religious rules to say to people, like, well, you could come into church, but you've got to wear this and you've got to look like this and you've got to stand at the right time. You've got to know all this. And stuff he says hey we've had to scrap some of that and people whoa whoa you know because we want people to meet Jesus Christ and sometimes when people meet Jesus Christ it gets a little bit messy because we're trying to teach them and help them that actually that a relationship with Jesus Christ that birthed in the church and founded in the church as we are is what makes a difference in people's lives that actually we mingle and we are light in the world you see the Pharisees simply avoided all contact just with sinners, with sick people. They wanted the sick to become healthy, but from a distance. And, you know, and actually self-deception sometimes uh, makes us think that we're better than we are. That actually we say, you know, actually, well, you know, when we look at somebody and say, well, that's not me. I've learned in my life not to say that's not me, but more that used to be me. That used to be me, the person that was broken and the person who was addicted and the person who couldn't find freedom and the person who couldn't find, that was me. But God did a work in my life. And if he did a work in my life, he could do a work in their life. He could change their life for his glory because only he can do it. We can't do this stuff from a distance. We can't do this stuff simply that we've got to get involved and mingle and be the light in the darkness. It's self-deception to think we're living a life just that we're better than everybody else. Hey, listen, the grace of God has touched our lives and it has changed us. And he says, we give him all the glory for that. So when we sing how great is our God, it's not just because of his wonderful, precious creation, which it is. It's not just because of what he's done in the cross, because of Jesus Christ. It's also what he's done in our lives as well. And how he has changed us by his great grace. See, Jesus came to benefit those who simply understood their need for him. Matthew jumped straight away. Because he understood one thing, I need this man. I need this Jesus. 
I don't want my life to be about greed and making more money. And Jesus gives them the invitation to the Pharisees to go and learn the meaning of this Old Testament verse that we see there in Hosea 6 verse 6. It says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The people were excellent at sacrifice. They, they knew when to bring the right sacrifice to the temple. They, they were experts at it. But they mistreated those that were worse off than them. They, they, they judged everybody else. They, they abused all of those other people that couldn't meet the standard that they expected to be met. And that's why Jesus says there, he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus shows mercy to Matthew when he says, come and follow me. Uh, so come and follow me. Matthew gets up immediately because it's mercy that we need more than anything. He says, none of us deserve it. It's why it's called mercy. That actually, if we were to get what we deserve, none of us could sit here this evening. But we haven't got what we deserve because Jesus Christ took it on the cross for you and for me the meaning behind that verse is that that God would rather have right hearts full of truth and mercy than sacrifice he doesn't need any more sacrifices he needs right hearts full of truth and mercy and Matthew teaches us the response to Jesus calling immediately he got up and followed and became a disciple and he began to fulfill his calling of writing the gospel of Matthew that, that was the first book of the New Testament that, sorry that is the first book of the New Testament for people to read the story of Jesus Christ and how he changes people's lives you know when we come to calling uh, I'm reminded of this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer who was a German theologian in the, the Second World War and he stood up for against Hitler he stood up for what he believed what Christ would do and stuff and he just simply says this when Christ calls somebody he bids them come and die now we may not look at it and say you know that physically we have to die but physically we do give up everything we give up our desires and we give up the way we think we should live our life because we're called by God that's what Matthew did he discovered that there was something else he discovered that there was more of a purpose for his life than the one that he had been living so he simply had to do this. As Paul says in Philippians, he died to self. He died to self. We cannot preach a gospel message that just says, pick Jesus up as an add-on on your life. It does not work. He says, we die to self. We put aside all the way that we have been living and the stuff that we have been doing. We die to that, to live for Christ. Because people struggle in their discipleship and the following of Jesus simply for this reason. They treat it as an add-on. They just say, I'll just add Jesus to my life. I wonder why there's no, nothing effective in their life. Why the spirit is not doing anything in their life. Listen, we die to self. That's us. We come and we die to self when we are called by God. Whether it be to salvation or discipleship. He bids us come and die. Come and die to ourselves and live for him. You know, and God's specific call here as he comes to Matthew is simply that. The story of Matthew, uh, history tells us that he was martyred for his faith. He died for what he believed in. On that day when he stood up from that tax collector's table, his journey would end 
with dying for what he believed in. When he stood up and he followed Jesus, that led him not to more riches, not to prosperity, not to popularity, not to fame, but to the, his death for the Saviour, Jesus Christ, that he had agreed to stand up and follow that day. That's a challenge of it. That's why he bids us come and die. And as we gathered here tonight, and the team are going to come and join us up on the, the platform, and as they do, he says, just before, I wonder if we could finish with how great is our God. I think I would be the, the one there to finish with tonight because I want to throw out the challenge tonight. At the end of our meeting, we have a prayer room. There are people there who would love to pray with you. There are people there that will answer your questions, but ultimately he answers your questions. And while every head is bowed, if I could just ask us, we simply come tonight and we want to pray and simply ask tonight, God, would you come and move in this place this evening? God, you are throwing the challenge out of being called. That call tonight could be to salvation. That Jesus Christ is knocking on the door of your heart. Firstly, to tell you that he loves you. Secondly, to tell you that he has forgiven you. Thirdly, to tell you stop living your own way. Die to self and live for me. That's the challenge that you have tonight. That's what is on the table tonight. And like Matthew, there has to be a response. And the response of Matthew was he got up and he followed Jesus. We're not asking you to get up tonight. We're simply saying this. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ tonight, he says we would just simply ask that you would put your hand in the air and down again. Just as a response to the word tonight to say, you know what, I've listened this evening. Thank you for that hand. As a response, thank you for the other hand. Thank you, that's two already. Because there has to be a response tonight. Like Matthew that says, I'm getting up and I'm following him. I don't have it all together, but he does. He does. And the response to that is there. So thank you, we're going to pray for those two people in a second. If there's anybody else, just quickly, just who would just say, yes, tonight is the night. For others of us, and this is true, there's not just the call to salvation, there is the call to, to discipleship, to purpose, to function. And God is knocking on the door of people's hearts to say, I have something for you to do. Matthew had to write the first gospel. That was what he was called to do. He says, for us and for some of us, we've been sitting on this for a while, that God has called us to do something and it's time for us to respond. And you keep it personal to yourself, but this is between you and God. And whatever God has called you to, maybe the response tonight is the same as Matthew, to get up, to follow Jesus, and to write this most powerful gospel that, that we read it's the first book in the New Testament, God's Word. And maybe if that's you tonight, we just simply ask, would you do the same thing? Put your hand up in here. We don't want to know the reason. 
We just want to know as a response. This is God knocking on the door of your heart to say, I have something for you, but you need to respond. You need to simply say, I'm going to respond here like Matthew to get up, to follow and do what God has called me to do. Just anybody there, just there, any hands there, just raise them up now. Come on, thank you. There's one there. Come on. God is doing a the work. There's somebody else. Come on. Church, we can't just sit as we are. We have to respond to the word of God. And as we do that tonight, God works in hearts and changes us. So anybody else, just as we come as God is moving in this place. Father God, we come before you tonight. We thank you for the two hands that went up for salvation tonight. Oh God, your word says there are angels rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who gets saved. God, one life that is changed, but there's two here. And God, we do nothing of that, Lord. You do everything. The God, as you knock on the door of people's hearts, there is a response to say, I'm dying to self and living for God. I can no longer live the way I've been living. I'm responding to this message by saying, I know Jesus loves me. He has forgiven my sin. He's accepted me as I am, but he's going to change me. And Father, we thank you for that tonight, for these two people, Father. And Father, for those people in here who, Father, just have put their hands up to say, Lord, but we, we want that calling on our life. The God that you have a plan and a purpose for us. God, we entrust you with that, not knowing where it goes. Matthew didn't know when he stood up from the table that day that, that he would write the gospel. And many years down the line, he, he would die for the man that called him to follow him. And Father, that's what we do tonight. We do not always understand, but we trust you. We trust you. And that's our prayer in response tonight, this evening. For the calling that you have placed upon the lives of many people in this place. And for that tonight, Lord, we just come and we say to you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You indeed are the name above all names tonight. You are worthy to be praised. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name.